Holy Father, we come before you, we thank you for love that does not give up, that doesn't surrender, that chases us even to our last breath. As long as we have breath, we have hope in you. We thank you that you pursue us with the gospel, that you've called those who believe to just freely spread the fact that the Holy Holy God, God the Son, stepped down to save us from our sin. Thank you, Father. Most would call that reckless, but you just call it love, so we thank you, Father, for that. Bless this time. Holy Spirit, come upon this service and let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Release the children. Release the offspring. Go, children, go. Hey, I see some non-children leaving. I'm just saying. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I meant your age, not your IQ, or else I would be going back there. <laughs> Gosh. Well, good morning, everybody. We, we've been going through a series. We're going to be finishing up today, but for most of you, you know, those of you don't, Again, this is what's called a four-square church, and we're going through the four squares of four square. You can see them in the back. We've gone through Jesus, the Savior, Jesus, the baptizer of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the healer. And then today we're going to be talking about Jesus, the soon-coming king. In about, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But last week, again, I just want to go over, we talked about Jesus, the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. And, and a lot of times people get a little iffy about that, because a lot of times you hear baptizing of the Holy Spirit, you talk about speaking in tongues, and there's a, there's a misnomer because a lot of people see those type of Pentecostal churches that just everybody's running around, everybody's speaking in tongues and f falling on the ground and a lot of people are like, well, that's a whole lot of chaos. I don't know if I want to have anything to do with that. But the point is, yes, the Holy Spirit will come into your life. You can speak in tongues, but he also leads you into truth. He leads you into power. He guides you in your life. And notice, again, this is a big thing for me. I am saying he the Holy Spirit is not a separate entity from God, and God just uses him as some kind of tool. He is God, the Holy Spirit. Three in one. Okay, God the, Son, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So he, God the Holy Spirit, leads you into all truth. And I want to emphasize something real quick before we move on. God the Holy Spirit will always lead you to truth. He always leads you to Scripture. He always leads you to Jesus. So the Bible very specifically says, test the spirit, because there are other spirits out there, and they will attempt to lead you to something else. And so if you're kind of praying, and you're, you think maybe God the Holy Spirit is telling you something, and it does not align with Scripture, 
that is not the Holy Spirit, it will never be the Holy Spirit. And you are to have nothing to do with that particular spirit. There's only one spirit that we should be listening to, and that's God the Holy Spirit, because he, again, leads you to truth, which leads you to life every single time. So I wanted to really quickly emphasize that. But this week, today, we're finishing it up with Jesus, the soon-coming King. Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you for this, the ministry of Jesus Christ. We thank you that we can look forward to a time when he is coming back, when he will come back for us and he will set all things right. We ask you to bless this time, bless these words, let your will be done, and Holy Spirit, do your work in our lives so that we are closer to you now than we were before. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, Acts 1, 9 through 11. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And that while they were looking steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So, beginning of Acts, we have this promise. Jesus has always been promising, I will return. I will come back. Now, when the subject of the return of Christ comes up, most people start talking about revelation. Now, the issue that people have is when they start talking about revelation, they start talking about end times. And when they start talking about end times, there's usually two questions that always come up. Who the Antichrist is going to be? I don't know how many presidents have been the Antichrist. <laughs> Who's it going to be this time? Is it Bill Gates? Is it Elon Musk? Is it whoever? Who the Antichrist is going to be? And then again, the second question is, what's the mark and the beast going to be? One time it was credit cards. The other time, you know, we've, we've, going through the pandemic, it was something in the vaccine and the microchips. And this, you know, we've got to watch out for that. And we can't. Those are the two questions that anytime we talk about the end times, that's what we talk about. This time it's phones. It's iPhones? Probably. <laughs> I could see that. It's TikTok. No. <laughs> Um, but here's the problem with that. Let's look at Revelation chapter 1, the very first verses of chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel and to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. It does not say the revelation of the Antichrist. It does not say the revelation of the tribulation. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not about any of that stuff. Revelation is about Jesus. All that stuff about the bulls of wrath, the trumpets, the tribulation, the beast, the woman and the dragon, and all the stuff is there for a reason, of course, 
and that is to be mindful and prepared and to look out for those things. It even says in, in Revelation that blessed are those that read the book and keep it because the hour is coming soon. There's even a part where God is showing John what is about to happen, and it's almost like those, those shows where the character breaks the fourth wall, turns to the camera, and says something. So God is showing the, John all this stuff and going what happened, and it's as if Jesus turns to the camera, points to us, and says, pay attention. There's a portion in Revelation where it has that. And it's because it's basically saying, heads up, this stuff is happening. This stuff will come about. And you better be on the right side of things because look who's coming. Now I saw heaven open up and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and he is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Out of his mouth goes sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule with an iron rod. He treads the winepress of fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Prepare yourself, because he's coming back. So again, the book of Revelation is about the soon coming king, and this is what we're going to be talking about today. As a matter of fact, we're not really going to be focusing on Revelation. I'm not going to try to get into the end times with you guys. Just know that we're closer now than we were before. And like the book says, watch for the signs. Okay? But here's the four square statement of faith about the soon coming king. Because we've been talking about this. We believe that the second coming of Christ is personal and imminent, that he will descend from heaven in the clouds of glory with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and that at this hour, which no man knoweth beforehand, the dead in Christ shall rise, then the redeemed that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and that so shall there ever be with the Lord, that also seeing that a thousand years is a day with the Lord, and that no man knoweth the hour of his appearance, which we believe to be near at hand, each day should be lived out as though we, he were expected to appear at even, yet that in, diso, in, in obedience to his explicit command, occupy until I come, the work of spreading the gospel, the sending forth of missionaries, the general duties of the up, upbuilding of the church should be carried on, as diligently and thoroughly as though neither ours nor the next generation should live in flesh to see his glorious day. So this is what it's talking about. Live as though he's coming right now, but go about your business as though you're not going to have it happen. That's what that's talking about. We believe, and again, I want to point out that when I read the four-square statement of faith, this isn't just explicitly to four-square. Again, the thing I love about the four-square denomination is denominations don't matter. This is the church's statement of faith. Again, the church for thousands of years has promoted and understood 
that Jesus will return. Paul, in his writings and and what he said, kind of thought it would be in his lifetime. He kind of lived in that kind of fashion. But he understood that he would not know the hour and so continued to tell people to continue to do the work that you're called to do. Again, this isn't just a foursquare thing. This is a church as a whole that Jesus is coming back. And I want to look at some scripture and go through some of the points here today. So let's start off with Matthew 24. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't expect. Okay, here's something I want to point out real quick about this. Jesus is not saying that we have absolutely no idea when he's coming back. He specifically says that there are signs. There will be things happening. This concept, go, you know, the concept of he'll just pop out of nowhere, we don't know when, goes against what he just had said before. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars and famines and pestilence. And, and he says this is the beginnings of things to come. So he's saying... There's going to be signs, watch out. That's why, like, when things happened in Israel, like it happened in October, that's why everyone's like, oh, what's going on in Israel? Because Israel is a, is a huge part of Jesus returning and the end times happening. And so we as Christians should really be paying attention to the things especially happening in Israel. That's why we're very cautious with that, because that's part of the signpost, oh, Jesus is coming back soon. But what Jesus is saying here specifically is that the specific hour, the specific date, the specific when is not known. That's why we don't need to pay attention to people who give a specific date. Like, I've got a revelation from God that April 17th, 2030, Jesus is coming back. We, we can't know the hour. I mean, it's, it's gone on for years um, I've heard of a book called 88 Reasons for 1988 of Jesus' Return. Uh, 2012 was a big one. There was one, I don't remember the specific date, but someone came up and said, you know, here's the specific date. This is when the rapture is happening. And some very entrepreneurial people went to these believers who believed this statement, whatever the date was, and sold them pet care insurance. You will be raptured, and don't worry, we'll take care of your dog. (laughs) There's so many things wrong with that. Mainly because if you're paying someone, you're basically saying you're not going to make it. (laughs) And of course, it's a scam and all these different things. So again, Jesus very specifically says, the hour and the date you don't know. But the whole point is Jesus doesn't want you to be unaware. He gives us signs of his return. He wants us to be prepared and brace ourselves to what is to come. But he specifically says, only God the Father knows the hour and the time. So if anybody ever comes up to you and says, oh, it's going to be this specific date, don't listen to him. If someone comes up to you and says, hey, I've been kind of seeing the signs and I think it's pretty soon, 
that could very well be. So we, we have to be very, very careful with this. Let's look at the next scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise up first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So real quick, first point here about this scripture. Jesus' return will not be the same way when he first appeared. He first appeared quietly. He first appeared as a, as a baby. You know, not very many people knew about the Messiah's coming, although most of Israel should have. But it was very quiet. This time when he returns, you're not going to miss it. Everyone on the face of the planet will know when the king comes back. Hallelujah. Okay. Again, this is another reason why you have a lot of false Christs out there who say, I'm the reincarnate of Christ, I've come back. Well, that's not true because you haven't ascended, descended from the clouds. There's not trumpets. There's not all these things. It's untrue. Again, it's not like you're going to come out of the house and go, oh, was that today? Oh, man, I missed it. <laughs> you will know. It will happen. Second point of this is, here's the thing, and, and I somewhat get it, but for the believer, for us believers, the end times are not scary. They shouldn't be. I know there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of things that should be happening. There's a lot of things that are going to be rough, but the end times... And the second coming of Christ is not a terrifying thing. It should bring us comfort. This is not all there's going to be. He's coming back. Everything that we're going through, any problems that we have, any issues, any struggles are worth it because the king is coming back. That's why Paul says comfort each other with these words. Because even when things seem hopeless, we can be comforted with the fact that this isn't all there is. No matter what, in the end, we win. Because he will catch us up in the clouds to go be with him. There's no reason to be afraid or lose hope. Just remember, Jesus is coming back. And one other, another scripture, Titus 2. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now again, we, when we talked about Jesus the Savior, I need to emphasize the scriptures not saying, be good to be saved, because you can't do it. All of, our, all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. Without Christ, without him dying on the cross for us. Because again, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is not go to church to make up for your sin. It's death. And so we needed a savior to die on our behalf. So it's not that you're good enough in order to be saved. It's that we need to 
have proof in our life of our salvation. Again, thank God his gift is eternal life through Christ Jesus. But in saying that, the mark of a Christian is how he or she lives. Okay, Because if you're truly saved, then your, your salvation should be doing you know, work in you to lead you to a godly life. Again, the Holy Spirit leads you in all truth. And, and I've had this numerous times, you know, I've, I've probably talked about this before, but I had a friend um, who was married, and they decided, unfortunately, that they were going to go ahead and have an affair against, you know, all kinds of advice and problems. And when confronted and saying, you know, it's adultery, this is not good, their response was, it's okay, I'm saved by grace, so it's covered. That's dangerous, very, very dangerous. Again, the mark of a Christian is how you live. I've heard it said this way before. Now, bear with me, but before we were saved, before I was saved, we're like pigs. Calm down. I even said me, me. Pigs love dirt. They love mud. They will just rail in it, right? You can take a pig, clean it up, scrub it up, put all kinds of perfume on it, put a nice little bow on it, and it'll smell wonderful and look nice and all this stuff. As soon as you let it go, right back to mud immediately. Okay, It, it will not rest until it can be disgusting again. That is like us before Jesus. Okay, Before Jesus, we, we railed in the filth of ungodliness and sin. We had no problem with being dirty. Now, people have tried to maybe clean us up. People have tried to get us back in line. But as soon as we could, we went right back to the mud because we have a sinful nature. It's what we do. But after Christ... After Jesus, when you have given Jesus your life, the Holy Spirit does his work on you to understand what sin and unrighteousness really is. It's filthy, it's disgusting, and it's deadly. So the Holy Spirit gives that. So now what happens is if you are a believer and you say, you you get a little mud on your hands, you're like, ew, this is gross. Ew, i got to get rid of this. Because the Holy Spirit's done a work in you. I have to wash off my, you know, I can't be in this anymore kind of thing. Now, because of our salvation through Christ, through grace, with that, we eagerly look forward to the blessed hope of the return of our Savior when the filth of sin no longer exists. So, as a believer, we live a godly life through the grace of the Holy Spirit, through the grace of Jesus, and we look forward to his return where sin and death will no longer exist. That is what that is saying. So here's the deal. Jesus is, in fact, the soon and coming king. Now, for those who may not believe in Christ, understand he is king whether you acknowledge it or not. And here's why you should acknowledge him as king now. And this is really long, but I really suggest you read 
Matthew 25 through 31 through 46. Because when the king returns, he will gather all nations and bring judgment upon everyone. And no matter what your race, your, your age, your financial status, your denomination, we will all be judged exactly the same way. It says that he will separate the sheep from the goats. He says that the sheep are the ones who believed and followed Jesus. And because of that, they will receive an eternal kingdom. They will be with God forever and they will have eternal life. The goats are the ones who rejected Jesus. And so because of that, the goats are rejected, cast away into eternal and everlasting punishment and be brought into the fire along with the devil and his angels. That is our choice. So I suggest, while you have a chance now, to bow your knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and King to the glory of God the Father. I suggest you do that now. And for those who do believe, I remind you of this scripture, Luke 12. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. Again, this is the idea. We are not to be twiddling our thumbs waiting for Jesus to come back. We have stuff to do. Waiting on Jesus means we've got work to go about. Just as Amy Simple said, to occupy until I come, that's found in Luke 19.13, and work of the spreading of the gospel, the sending forth of missionaries, the carrying of duties, of the upbringing, upbuilding of the church should be carried out. Believers have things to do until he comes back. It's not like we go hold ourselves up in a bunker and wait. Because again, just like I said, with the guys selling the pet care insurance, you're not supposed to be giving them your money to take care of your pet so when you're raptured up, the dog will be okay. You are to be telling them, hey, Jesus is coming back, and if you don't know him, please let me help you know him now. That is what our job is supposed to be. So again, let us all be about our Father's business as we wait in glorious hope of Jesus, our soon and coming King. Because one last verse, and it is in Revelation 22.20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. So again, Jesus' return is soon. I don't know when, but it's soon. And so if you don't believe, I would get a chance right now to know him. If you do believe, we need to be about our Father's business. What's going to happen since today is a little bit special, and I know today was a little bit short, but we do have our business meeting. Um, I'm going to pray. We're going to end. For those of you who are members, we'd like to stay. We're going to set up a few things. If you do have to leave, God bless, feel free to. Um, but we're going to do our business meeting.
um, and then try to get out of here so that the Spanish church can come and, and set up their service. So um, God bless. See you next week. Let's pray, end, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and go with that. So Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have promised the return of Christ. That again, that this life is not all that there is, that we can come to know you. That we can be about your business and do your will. So Father, help us to keep in mind that you have given us signs of Christ's return and help us to be watchful and prepared and diligent in your business as we see those signs come. Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth so that when things come up and people try to say something about Jesus' return or give us specific dates, we know the truth that we don't know the hour, but we know he's coming. Thank you, King Jesus, for our return, and we bow our knee now to you today. And remember who you are, that you are our King who is soon coming. In your name we pray, amen.